This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Today we have Carrie Kirpin. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, leading podcaster, and keynote speaker who pioneered the content as a service industry. As co-founder and CEO of Likeable Media, Kirpin transformed her company from a husband and wife startup into an award-winning digital content studio. Kirpin's leadership has guided the Likeable team to new heights, landing global clients such as Century 21, StubHub, and Airbnb. How that's possible? Amazing, amazing stuff. She's also achieved, and her company has achieved, the Crane's best place to work in New York City for four straight years and being named a top 50 ad agency and top 50 fastest growing women-owned businesses by WPO and American Express Open. On the episode, we are talking about her new book called Work It, Secrets from Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business, which is out now on Amazon and bookstores near you. I learned a lot from this, this episode and from this accomplished entrepreneur, and I hope you do as well. Enjoy today's episode. Let's go. Hey, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise, likewise. But before we get into all the fun questions about business and entrepreneurship, we have to talk about the important stuff, and that is food. So imagine uh-huh. you just had the absolute best day of your life. Okay. Where are you going to eat, and what are you going to order to make your day complete? Okay, so if we're starting with food, I'm going to have to go there. Now, I'm a big lover of food, but I would say if I had to have like the most, the best day ever, I would celebrate at 11 Madison Park, which is a restaurant in New York City where uh, they serve you a tasting menu. So I actually have no control over the menu and <laughs> surrender to the chefs because I like to put my fate in the hands of people who I think are experts in a certain area. Uh, I find that that's done well for me in business and with food. So go to 11 Madison Park. They serve like a 16-course meal of lots of tiny treats of delicious food, and I would have no say whatsoever. I just blind menu celebration. Great, great, great answer. Definitely have to try that place out. Um, Never never been, never even heard of it at this point. So if it's high on your list, I got to at least go uh, do my research and find out. So the first real question of the podcast is tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business, and how did you overcome those obstacles? Well, you know, I've had a few instances in my career where I really felt like I didn't know what to do. I believe anytime we feel blind or like we don't know what to do, it's that we're not properly channeling our guts because I think when you learn how to read your gut, you often avoid blind spots. And I think for me, uh, the story that is most characteristic of this Uh, was when I took over as the CEO in 2013 of Likeable Media, a company that I co-founded with my husband back in 2007. Uh, It's a social media agency, founded in 2007 when there were no social media agencies, so we just grew. We were like, it was the right time, right place, everything. And, you know, the way that we worked was Dave was the CEO and this visionary and the face of the business, and I was the operator. I made sure our clients were happy and our staff was uh, we had the appropriate level of staff, staff was happy, everybody was in good space, all the operations were done. And that was a really comfortable space for me. But because my husband is a visionary, he saw what was next in social media, 
wanted to launch a software company and decided that he was going to launch that company while I ran the agency and stepped into the CEO position. Now, you would think I wouldn't be blind there because I've been running the company essentially for years. Um, but at that time, I felt really blind because number one, in 2013, social media was no longer what it once was. It was a much more crowded landscape. So lots of agencies were doing social media to some extent. Um, and also the way that I saw people succeeding, the path that I saw was uh, mostly men who were putting themselves out there on social media and demonstrating thought leadership. So they talk about themselves all day and why they were great at social media and really build a brand that way. And that felt really disingenuous and not true to me, who I was as a person. And so I had this team of probably about 30 people at that time, uh, had this team, had this agency that was growing and doing really well, but I saw it you know, starting to flatline because we, it was a much more crowded marketplace. And I felt like I couldn't see the path other than a path that I really didn't want to take, right? I didn't want to be this you know, loud thought leader tweet. I didn't want to tweet all the time. I had kids. I felt like really uncomfortable um, with that road to success. And so ultimately what I did learn to do was channel my gut and determine that my path did not need to be the obvious path. It didn't need to be the path that looked like, okay, this is the plain trajectory to growth for a social media agency and that's it. What I ended up doing, much like you, was I started a podcast uh, called All the Social Ladies. And I thought that maybe other women had difficulty telling their own stories in social media. Maybe, maybe other women felt that these um, sort of loud thought leaders were not how they wanted to be or appear. And so I interviewed women at the brand level, uh, usually decision makers, and uh, interviewed them about their careers, their lives, and how they approach social media. And originally it was pretty selfish, right? I figured, okay, I'll interview these people and they'll be leads, it'll be great, that's how I'll grow the business. And that did work, that did work. We did double the business from 2013 to 2015 using that strategy. But also I ended up learning much more. I ended up learning not only that I told the stories of these other women, but I got more comfortable learning how to tell my own story. And that was ultimately how we were able to grow. I was able to gain confidence as a leader and I was able to build my network in a way that I thought really resonated well. And so that was when I found, felt blind. And I think a lot of times we feel blind when um, we, we look at other people and we think, oh, we can't do that mm. because I, I, I can't do what this successful entrepreneur did. And the real way to gain clarity and vision is to learn your own way and carve your own path, or as I say, to work it. So um, I, I, I guess this leads to a perfect segue um, you you just uh, launched your new book, Work It: Secrets for yeah. Success from the Boldest Women in Business. I'm sure a lot of the ideas and the content came from the your experience and also the interviews that you had in your podcast. Yeah. Um, can you speak about that? Uh, what the book is about and and why people should go out today and 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 read it and, and learn from it. Yep. So originally I was going to write a book and call it All the Social Ladies. It was just going to be a collection of these interviews, mostly around social media, some stuff about career, um, and really just use it kind of as a lead gen for my company because it allowed for me to demonstrate thought leadership and highlight these great women and it would be great. Um, then when I was approached by Penguin Random House or Tartar Perigee, which is a division of Penguin Random House, I was approached by them to write the book. They said, you know, we really want to hear more of your narrative. 
and we'd like you to broaden the approach beyond social media. When I had a real publisher, I felt that it was really important to create a book that mattered. And so I thought less about the business and more about the book and what did women need to know. And I felt like we really needed to know that there's not one path. It's not you follow this blueprint and you're successful. Many, many different women have tried many, many different things. And many people have gotten to the same level of success, but took totally different paths. And so what I wanted to do was really show how all of these women got to where they are today, both in their careers, in their lives, their families, how they managed to achieve their versions of success, each in their own unique ways, and hope that those who read it find inspiration from some. You know, I read Lean In, and for me, I you know wasn't in a corporate job, so it didn't appeal to me as much. I read Girl Boss. I found that she was cruel and kind of rude, and that was not my style at all. And so the idea is to have a collection of women because at least one of them should resonate with you and inspire you. And you should read the book. It gives you lots of different viewpoints and lots of different roadmaps to success and helps you figure out how you can determine your own. So my my first thought process is when I um, think about and I read the title of the book and I hear the secrets from success from the boldest women in business, it might actually deter men from reading it. And from my experience personally, I've learned more working with women and learning from women than I have talking to and working with men. So would you, to, to the male out there that's listening, do you think the book is, is for, for males just as much as it is for women? 100%. I think that men can read this book and can benefit from this book and can learn from this book. I think women at this moment, at this time in history, we need the book. So I think for men, we can always benefit. And by the way, I think men are the biggest champions of women. And often, you know, I've had a lot of mentors in my own career who are male and fully think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. It can't be all women all the time. But I think that right now in this climate, this is the time where we actually need to band together and build up our confidence, understand that confidence is as important as competence and really look at how we can tell our own stories in a way that resonates. Mm. Yeah. And, and I couldn't agree more with you on, on, on that one. And it actually leads me to, I was going to save this question uh, for later on, um, but I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and ask it now, if that's okay with you. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold on to it, but I do have oh. a question about the other aspect, which is why a woman should read it. But before we get into that whole uh, rabbit hole of conversation, um, I want to talk about another issue that a lot of businesses have, which is uh, finding um, customers. And as a professional, as a business owner, it's extremely difficult to find customers, let alone one customer, let alone a hundred customers. Um, yeah. What would you recommend to others that are listening to help them achieve uh, the hardest task, which is to obtain their first 100 customers in business? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is by far the biggest challenge that faces a new business today. And it's a reason why so many new businesses fail, right? Because you, you have to get to that point of critical mass. When you get there, then you have a different set of challenges. But this challenge in particular is really hard, especially for people who don't have uh, a love of sales, right? You, especially if you have any kind of aversion to new business, forget it. 
Um, so I can tell you my philosophy. The opening chapter of my book is called Your Network is Your Net Worth. And I believe ultimately it's all about who you know. Now that can be really daunting to somebody who doesn't know a lot of people and is starting a business. But I would argue that even if you know one person, you can use that person to help build your network. And as you build your network, you're building your net worth. And I think that the way to do that is ultimately to ask. We are so afraid to ask. But ultimately, anyone you know, anyone you know should be willing to help you, just as you'd be willing to help them in any small way they can. You can see someone who's connected to someone else on LinkedIn. You can meet someone at a, at a party and say, oh, hey, I know you know this person. Would you introduce me? I would just love to take a 15-minute call. Like As you know, I'm sure, when you're reaching out cold via email, hey, can I have 15 minutes, quick question, you know, all of these emails, they don't really work. It's shot in the dark. But when somebody who you know and somebody else knows introduces you, you're much, much more likely to get that first call. And I think ultimately what you need to do is get into as many doors as possible. And then you have to look at, well, are you converting? Why or why not? Now, of course, it's different with internet companies and that type of stuff. But I would argue no matter what type of business you're in, who you know and who you meet is arguably the most important thing needed to grow your business. Mm. Now, has, has that been the, the, the success of Likeable? Um, has that been the, the strategy to, to grow business? Uh, and was that the initial strategy? The initial strategy that your, um, that your, your partner has uh, yep. uh, created, is that still working today now that you're the, the CEO? Yeah, so it changed, but it's all the same. So ultimately picture, so in 2007, you started a social media agency. We were able to get in the door with huge companies because there was nobody doing it. So some of it had to do with timing, but really our first clients were our friends, were people that we knew uh, through our jobs working in sales at Radio Disney or in corporate America um, at, at variety of different locations. We Former clients, former employers, lots of people who we knew we were able to get test products with because people are much more willing to take a chance on you if they know you. Uh, ultimately, from that, we found that the biggest way to grow our business was word of mouth. If people liked our work, they would refer us or they'd change jobs and go to a new company and call us. And that all still works today. But ultimately, if you want to scale and supercharge, you've got to figure out a way to scale that networking. So the scaled networking approach that I tried was with the podcast. I mean, I interviewed over 300 women over the course of two years. Of those, uh, it had to be 60% were lead potentials. And mm -hmm. of those, they were much more likely to accept an introduction from me once I added value to them mm -hmm. by having them on a podcast, getting them listeners, et cetera, so to accept an intro to my team. And that that worked really well for us. That's how I, I would say we networked at scale. Yeah, that's interesting. And the numbers are very similar to, to uh, with me as well. Um, but now let's look at it from like the digital marketing aspect. You are a digital marketing company and a digital marketing expert at that. And your company's been around, as you stated, uh, in the early days, uh, early days of uh, social media. Given this busy world of, of social media and, and content, et cetera, um, is there anything in particular that you would recommend that businesses do from a social media aspect to get their message out there, to market themselves, to get clients, et cetera? Well, I think that different businesses have very different approaches on social media. It depends on who your target is. Are you B2B, B2C? Um, what are you looking to do? Where does your customer live? 
and spend their time. But ultimately, whether you are B2B or B2C, it is really all B2P, which is business to people, right? And so ultimately, you want to look at where are your people spending their time. And once you do that, I would encourage you with social media to test test and test again with everything we do for our clients and for ourselves. We are A-B testing different messages. Social media allows you the opportunity to do that in a way that is affordable. And I think that that's something that is really different about social media. We can try very low spends on ads, lots of different creative to test and see how it works. I think using highly targeted testing is almost always a key to success. And the other thing I would recommend is really use social media to listen, especially things like Twitter, which I don't find as as much of a, a business generator as I used to. I think Twitter in general should be used particularly for listening. Listen to how your customer's talking. What are they talking about online? They don't need to be talking about you. It's not like you need to search your business name, but look for what they're talking about. Type in specific keywords, look for people who might be apt to do business with you and see what they're talking about. Using that as a listening tool and then A-B testing lots of content on networks with highly targeted ads. Very cool. And, and, and I've seen that strategy work very well on numerous occasions for our business. So uh, I can assure you that it works uh, just as well for the person listening here. Um, the next segment and the next portion of the podcast, I wanna dive deep. Um, I never told, I didn't tell you about this uh, off air. Uh, so this is the first time that you're hearing it live. Um, and the next segment I call is explain that grant, which basically means that I went in and I did my <laughs> research and I've scoured across the internet to find some of the most, um, I guess, inspiring pictures that, uh, and, and I have questions revolving around each picture that I have. So um, the first one, and I have four pictures. Okay. The first one that I have is this right here. And yep. uh, to those that are watch that are listening rather than watching, it is a picture of, <clears throat> of a uh, iPhone um, uh, case with your um, with your book cover on it. There you go. It's your your own personal iPhone. So with that said, when you see that, when you receive this for the first time, when you received your book cover, and you're yeah. like, what was that experience? You know, what was that thought process? What did you have in the back of your head? Well, it's a pretty ama amazing experience. That that phone case was sent by my agent, which was amazing. Sent it as a surprise. So that was a great experience. Um, the first time I saw the cover. I felt simultaneously terrified and thrilled. I mean, it's such an experience, right? But when you're a business person, it's very different from being an author. So, and I'm primarily a business person, right? I, I, I'm a business person who wrote a book, not an author who happens to have a business. So I think ultimately um, it was exciting and terrifying to try something new. And I felt overwhelmed with joy that the book was something that I could actually be really proud of. That, that, I wasn't sure when I wrote it, you know, was it going to be good? And when I read it, I actually did the audiobook. Um, I read for the audiobook. And when I read it, I got a chance to really feel it, feel the book mm -hmm. again. And it was, it's just brings me a lot of joy. Would you recommend writing a book? Um, would you write a book again? Would you recommend to people that are listening that, to write a book themselves? Would I recommend it? Okay. I would recommend that you ask yourself some questions like, will this benefit your business? And if you're a business person, right? If you're an author and you want to write a book, sure, go, right. go right ahead. It's your career. But if you're a business person, does it benefit your business? Does it, um, does it, it, you need to prepare that it's going to take a year of your life, a year mm -hmm. away from 
business. And so if, if you really want to do it and you're committed to making it a success, then yes. But just know that the publishing industry is pretty broken. So even if you get a publisher, it's, but you're really doing a lot of the promoting yourself. And so that's an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. The next one, uh, the next picture is a playbill of uh, you seeing uh, Hamilton. And I've noticed the trend throughout your entire um, social media, uh, Instagram channel is that you go to a lot of um, musicals and a lot of plays. Um, what was it? What is it about going to these plays and and kind of submersing yourself into this culture of of um, not reality, fantasy, so to speak? What what has that done for you as a business professional um, and as a human being? Well, I think that there's a certain element that makes me realize I, I have a bit of millennial in me, even though I'm not a millennial. In that, I value experiences over things most of the time and experiences of the theater are so fascinating as it as it applies to business because they're live if you screw up and you're in live theater there's nothing you can do mm. you just going and to me that's such a big metaphor for how we are in business we can, we make lots of mistakes we are in the moment all the time but i think ultimately uh, there's nothing more thrilling than watching a live performance because it's the feeling of what will happen next? And I think that's the exact feeling that I get from running a business. Hmm, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, the third question is a picture of oh, you and your family. The jammies. And, yeah. And that, 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 I didn't even realize that everybody was in jammies. I, I was more so, jammies. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, you, you have, a, you have an, a, what looks like an amazing family. I'm sure you can speak to that much better than I can. Um, but what is it like to be able to work with somebody that you that you adore and love, um, and then also have a supporting family that you have when you have when you are able to go home? Uh, so what is that experience like, and what have they done for you uh, to to better again your human uh, nature, your business career, et cetera? Well, first of all, I have three kids with a wide age range. So I have a almost fifteen year old daughter, a an almost 11-year-old daughter and an almost three-year-old son. So there's a big gap there. Uh, and of course, my husband, Dave. And I've, what, what it's done for me, I mean, it's basically, it's the reason I do everything that I do is to have the time with them. There's a few things to that. You asked me specifically what it's like to work with somebody who you're married to. And I would say that, that that's an amazing experience, definitely one with challenges, definitely not for everybody. But ultimately, there's nobody I trust more and nobody that um, understands my entire life experience more than the person who is in it with me. And so I love working with Dave, even though we don't work in the day to day as much now. Um, it's been a great experience doing that together. And then my, my kids, it's just been um, a really great thing to be able to be an entrepreneur. I, I didn't get into being an entrepreneur for the money, and I didn't get into being an entrepreneur even for the passion about social media. I got into it because I wanted the freedom of time that came with entrepreneurship. I wanted to be able to go to every dance recital, and I wanted to still, uh, and every school assembly and everything I was asked to go to, um, and still have a career that mattered to me. Hmm. And so to me, there was that was the only option for me that would ever work in that way. Very and cool. so, and it did, it served me well. 
My final question is um, based off of a series of text messages between you and your daughter. Um, wait, wait, I have to see it. So yeah, so I'll read them to you if it's okay. okay it's something about keeping up with the Kardashians, episode season five, episode five of Botox. Um, and then you were talking about like you were watching it downstairs on Prime, didn't realize it. And it's just like a fun conversation between like mother and daughter. Um, yes. One thing in particular that you said was uh, we are electing the first woman president today and you're watching Botox and cigarettes. The world is doomed. So, well, a little foreshadowing there. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very oh, cool. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Thanks for bringing that up. That's that's a great. Yeah. Great... Well, when I read this, I, I laughed. Uh, the second thing was, I guess, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Um, you're raising a daughter, two two daughters at two. that, and your book is about women empowering the bold women. So, yeah. to the woman that's watching, maybe even your daughter watching. You know, what would you say to to that um, to that person to look out for and some pieces of advice? Uh, to, what would you say to, to that to that person, whether it's your daughter or just another young woman listening today? Any advice for young women today? Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately learn when you learn how to quickly determine what you want and what you need, it will serve you better. I think we spend a lot of our lives. Um, unsure of what we want because of external influences and you know wanting to make other people happy, et cetera. The biggest gift that I can give to you is the focus on learning how to read your gut, how to determine what you want because it will help you make decisions faster. It will help you go for things faster. Um, and what you want is okay. It doesn't have to be what everyone else wants. It, it's your path. It's your life. You don't have to make anyone else happy. It's, you really have to make yourself happy. And so ultimately what I want for my daughters is for them to have the lives that they want to live um, and have the courage to go out and pursue them. Very cool. Now, my, my final question today is uh, the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast was created for individuals who may be temporarily blind in business. Yeah. Um, and they cannot see the obvious. Um, to those individuals, you just gave credible advice to your daughters and to a young woman listening today. Let's give a, a wider spectrum of uh, pieces of advice to, um, to the overarching landscape of entrepreneurship. Um, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Okay. And this is, a spe I'm especially thinking about one who might be feeling a blind spot, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay, so um, I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt, but you, I might be misquoting. Okay, um, the the worst decision is not to make a decision at all. So the best thing is to make a the be a good decision. Second worst thing is to make the bad decision, mm -hmm. and the worst is to make no decision at all. We'll have to look up and find that exact quote. But making a decision, even if it's the wrong one, will serve you better than sitting in limbo. And I think that that that's key. And another thing that helps me make decisions is to realize that worry is a misuse of the imagination. Uh, you're basically spending mental energy thinking about what could go wrong when instead you can and should be using mental energy to think about what can and should go right. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't prepare for rainy days and we don't look for things, you know, potential holes, but ultimately sitting and worrying about it is just totally draining. Uh, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is a little controversial, um, especially from some of my thought leader friends um, who I went against in my, in my, uh, all the social ladies strategy. But um, I, I believe very strongly that revenue 
mo most revenue aside from when you're just kicking off, um, revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. If we build a business that's entirely based on revenue, and I know a lot of these unicorns that built up have zero revenue, pre-revenue, all of this stuff, um, ultimately to be in business, the reason you're in business is to help, whether it's to change the world or anything, ultimately you need money to do that and you're gonna need profits to do that. And so just remember, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. You're looking at companies that are bigger than you. You have no idea what they're taking down to their bottom line. Build a healthy business and you will see what comes next will be great. Beautiful. Great words of advice. Thank you so much, Carrie. I really appreciate thank your time. Thank you so much. So excited to be on. Yeah. And so thank you guys. That uh, Well, actually, before I do all that and I give my closure, which I was just about to do, um, we need to be able to find out where we can buy the book. And ah, we need to be able to find out where we can follow you. Anywhere, workitthebook.com. Uh, that will take you to Amazon. You can go check me out at carriekirpin.com or you can check out my company, Likeable, at likeable.com. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for your time and thank you guys that are still watching and listening for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to theblindentrepreneur.com for more interviews. Being blind in business is temporary, and I hope after listening to the wisdom of Carrie today, you are now able to see more clearly. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.